0: We have like this little like rear view mirror right at the top of the cockpit. So obviously you can use it to see the other jets and stuff. I just remember pulling that down and like lifting my visor and looking myself in the eye and just being like, don't it up anymore. Right? Like like at this point, like you guys have had this accident, like now's the time to just be on your game. And um I, I did some breathing techniques. I had to in that moment. And really it was a come to Jesus type moment with myself of how are we going to do this, Liz? You know, like I just had that kind of conversation with myself, just Liz, all right, what are we doing? What do, how are we going to handle this, right? Like we can do this.
1: Welcome to Happy Athlete, a podcast about overcoming obstacles and sparking change in ourselves and the world. We'll dig into mindfulness, enhancing performance, jumpstarting our passions and learn tools to be stronger stronger happier, more grateful, and at peace. Hi, everyone. This is Sean. Welcome to another episode of Happy Athlete. Today, we are fortunate to have with us Liz Corwin. Liz is a yoga teacher and creator of Walkabout Yoga Retreats and teacher trainings. She is a 15-year U.S. Navy officer and former F-18 Navy jet pilot. Today, she still serves as a lieutenant commander in the Navy Reserves. She began teaching yoga to the military community while on deployment in 2008 aboard the USS Harry Truman aircraft carrier. Since then, she has continued traveling the world teaching yoga to both our military community and civilian population as a way to bridge the divide of understanding. Liz's teachings and storytelling focus on deep inner shadow work, redefining strength in the warrior ethos, and embracing vulnerability as we uncover true self-acceptance, self-love, and healing. She has recently been featured in the New York Times and Yoga Journal Magazine. She's the creator of the free online video series, Yoga for Military Warriors and the Give Back Yoga Foundation, and ambassador for the women-owned yoga brand, Kira Grace. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm really excited to have you. You know, um, when I was putting together my questions during the whole research phase of this, um, I had so many questions, and I always always leave time for for going off script a little bit. So I had a hard time drilling it down because you know your your story is amazing, not only your past story, but also like your your transition and what you got going on. So. I thought we'd start from the beginning. That's usually what we do here. So if it's okay with you. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: all right. What, what led you to join the military and become a pilot?
0: It's funny. You just said, um, uh, we'll start at the beginning. And I'm like, man, I feel like there's like a lot of different beginnings in this. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> I think you probably can feel similar, right? When you kind of go through those transitions and remake things. So it's like, all right, which beginning are we starting with? But um, uh, So what, what inspired me to join the military? Um, my older brother had gone army ROTC at Vanderbilt and, um, all I knew was that he sounded, he was, I don't know, I looked up to him and, um, I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. Um, and so we were, we were very close and I remember being like, okay, well, he went army. I'm going to do army just like him. And then it was like, ah, well, I kind of like my showers at the end of the day, and I don't know if I wanna hang out with Poison Ivy like he always did. Um, so so yeah, that was part of the inspiration and then um, just ended up going Navy versus Army um, at Vandy too for the ROTC program. So um, for Chicago girl, I was trying to I was like, well, I want to go somewhere else and it seemed like a really good school and they had this great military program that paid for everything. So it was like, win, win, win all across the board. And it just sounded exciting, right? Like everything just sounded um, a little bit off the wall. And at that time in my life, I was all about shock value. So um, that definitely carried <laughs> carried some shock value with it to join the military and promise your life away for a while. <laughs>
1: And, and how about like your choice on, on what to fly? Cause it, cause I read somewhere that you also looked at like an Apache helicopter. Like how did you end up being an F-18 Hornet pilot?
0: So I wanted, like I said, I wanted to be in the army like my brother, but I knew I wanted to fly. That sounded really cool. And Apache pilots, I think because, you know, he played with GI Joe's growing up. Right. And like GI Joe's had like the coolest helicopters. And um, so I thought I wanted to be this like hardcore helicopter pilot. Um, and then I went Navy and I still was like, oh, those jet people are a bunch of, you know, you hear all these horror stories about how like prima donnas they are. And, you know, you've seen the movie Top Gun, of course. <laughs> and there's small truths and elements to that in the jet community. So at first I was like, oh, I don't I don't know. Like, I just want to lead Black place. And then it was the night before, like, we could select. And I remember somebody being like, well, Liz, you've got jet grades if you want to go for it. And I just remember thinking that night, like, man, if I if I don't put this down, right, like here I am at this crossroads, I I really thought I wanted to fly helicopters at the time. But if I don't put this down now, like, I'm never going to be offered that again. So I was like, all right, I'm going to roll the dice and just put in for it and um, was lucky enough to get it. You know, a lot of the time people think like, oh, you've got to be top of your class and and doing really well. And, And that's all true. But a lot of it's timing too. Right. So it's what the military needs at that time for all the different services. So um, luckily the week that I was going through and selecting, there were some jet spots as well. So um, Mm -hmm. a lot of it's luck and happenstance and, you know, um, it's all a part of it too. So yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's how I ended up flying F-18s.
1: Now, what is it like? So, so I read that it's, it's a, the top speed is, is 1200 miles per hour. is an F-18. So what does that feel like? Like, like, so I assume that's breaking the sound barrier, right? And like, you know, the body with gravity, you know, like, can you like take us into the, into, into the cockpit?
0: It's kind of funny that when you're going that fast and even breaking like, you know, you're like, oh, you broke the sound barrier, right? It's like, you don't, the only way that you'd know that is if you looked behind you and maybe saw, you know, the plume. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're in there, you don't necessarily feel that part of it, you know, that little transition over. There's like a little kick sometimes, but not much. It's more of, honestly, if you're low and fast, that's when you really feel it because you have something to gauge it Mm -hmm. by, right? So unless there's clouds, unless you're close to the ground, unless there's mountains, unless there's something that you're passing, or it's, you know, like anything else, that transitional pace of moving faster versus just going fast, right? If you're just going fast and there's nothing in relation, you can't always exactly tell when that happens. But if you're low to the ground or you're buzzing boats somewhere, just when you're not supposed to, but, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, you're, um, you're you've you got a reference point to that speed, or if you're taking off the carrier or ending abruptly, right? When you, when we land. So those are the moments where I think that like when you actually feel the most from that speed, that change, that delta, or of course, when you're pulling G's and you're making some sweet turn and mm. you're about to pass out because all of your vision starting to <laughs> narrow down, <laughs> which happened more than a few times, I will I will be honest to admit. We used to call it, um. so there's obviously the blacking out, but then we have something called graying out, which is where you just start to see your peripheral start to go. And that's usually when you're like, okay, squeeze your butt cheeks and your leg muscles as hard as possible, and push all the blood back up to your brain before you pass out. <laughs> so, uh, so we had little tricks and stuff, and obviously the G suit. But so I would say, yeah, the, the pulling G's, and then that having a reference point to the speed is really when you feel it more than if you're just like way up high and it's blue sky, and you're like, I remember the first time I, I hit the speed of sound, I was like, is that it? Like, because <laughs> there's nothing around at the time, like. All right. But um, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But when you
0: buzz the tower nice and low, you know, and that's really fun. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you mentioned Top Gun. I think that's what a lot of us picture, um, you know, Navy pilots like. And, and so, so you're in a field dominated by men. In, in a previous interview, you said that, uh, I'm going to quote, you. I believe you said, your voice stands out on the radio and you feel like everyone is watching you and that your missteps are more visible. Can, can, can you talk about that?
0: Yeah. I mean, you're under a microscope. I, I, I would, for you, I would compare it to like, if there's like a female kicker in the NFL, right. It's like, everybody's going to know when she does something well, Mm -hmm. and everybody's going to know when she does something poorly. Um, And it just, it's, it's under a microscope, you know, and, and you, yeah, you can't hide. So um, across the whole aircraft carrier, there's TVs and um, speakers so pretty much anywhere you are, you can hear the pilot that's landing or taking off and, you know, just all the comms going on if you wanted to listen in. And, you know, all day long, it's it's voices on the radio. And mostly, unless you know the pilots really well and you can pick out their voice, you know, for the guys. But when you're one of only a few females and everybody kind of knows your voice, it's... It, it stands out right so if you screw up a radio call or you you know they hear your voice and then they're like bolter 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 which means you didn't catch any of the wires went around like everybody knows right so Mm. yeah it's just amplified um your highs and your lows i would say throughout everything so you just you're living more in that fishbowl kind of thing
1: right right and 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 well that, that that's that's a perfect segue for my next question um you talk about well, that's a new word you just educated us on bolter bolter. That's when you when you fly <laughs> fly over, you miss the the wire and you have to do another turn. And and you know, when I see this in like videos or on the movies, it looks like landing a jet on a, a moving aircraft carrier looks impossible. Um, in, in 2010, um, it was your sixth year as a fighter pilot and you were on a eight-hour combat mission over Afghanistan and you're involved in a mid-air collision. You called it the longest hour of your life. C- could you take us back to that day and how you're somehow able to stay calm and catch the wire and land safely on the aircraft carrier?
0: Um, yeah, that's one of those moments in your life where like, I really never want to talk about this again. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found that like, as, as you know, you do these these interviews and it, it slowly started to come out. It, it's one of those moments where it's like, no, that those moments of your life really become those defining hmm where every minute you remember so crystal clear for the rest of your life. And then it becomes kind of like, well, how dare I not share part of what came out of this. Right. Um, One of my old teachers used to say that all the time, like, how dare we not, right? Like, how dare we not share those things? So yeah, I, um, we We had this midair um we were still pretty far away from the aircraft carrier. I'm not gonna say exactly where, but not someplace that you want to eject let's just say and I knew luckily when we figured out that the, the planes were still controllable right and we could make it back um, I just I remember it it was gonna take us an hour to get back to the aircraft carrier and everybody's gonna be waiting right and everybody already knows what happens as soon as you radio an hour away and let them know um. And I just, I pulled, we have like this little like rear view mirror right at the top of the cockpit. Um, So obviously you can use it to see the other jets and stuff in your, um, behind you. But I just remember pulling that down and like lifting my visor and looking myself in the eye and just being like, excuse my language, but like, don't fuck it up anymore. Right. Like, like at this point, like you guys have had this accident, like now's the time to just be on your game. And, um, I I did some breathing techniques. I had to in that moment, Um, and really, it was a it was a a come to Jesus type moment with myself of how are we going to do this, Liz? You know, like I just had that kind of conversation with myself. Just Liz, all right. What are we doing? What? How are we going to handle this? Right? Like we can do this. We got this. And I really do.
1: You have a a navigator with you? Just
0: no. um, Just you. Yeah, so I flew the F 18. The Super Hornet comes in multiple variations. One of them's a, a two seater and one's a single seat. Um, and the squadron that I was in was, um, we call them the Echoes, our single seat, and the Foxtrotter, yeah. too. And so I was an Echo pilot. And so, yeah, all alone. <laughs> just having that. See, that's not kind of a nice part, is then you can have these one on one conversations with yourself and nobody's listening in and thinking you're nuts. Um, but I just had to really have that conversation with myself about that next hour and what that was going to look like and um you know when when we were flying back we're still going pretty fast so you still we don't know once you start putting the gear down and the flaps down and getting ready for landing if the jets will still be controllable so there was still some uncertainty um at that time of okay you know in the last five minutes before you land now you're starting to reconfigure and it's like okay is it still going to be flyable like you got to be prepared to punch out if well wow, so you're
1: wondering what still works and what doesn't
0: Right, right. you have right, no idea. Exactly. From- we had no idea. Yeah. So um, everything got down. You got the three, you know, three green locks. All the gear was good. The thing was still flying. I'm like, okay, that's another, you know, piece in the right direction. Um, and then I as I was coming around to land, I just, you know, we were trained in such a way, too, that I can't necessarily take all the credit. I think I was probably operating on just pure brainstem at that point um, just do your job, you know, do it and, and focus. And you really had to drop everything that was, that had happened previously as much as you could. Um, but I do remember you hit down and most of the times landing, you know, and you're taxiing once you've landed and you caught a wire and you're taxiing off my legs were always shaking it re- regardless of any issues that happened or not. Like, man, it just was so exhilarating. Like your legs are always like on you know, the pedals and the brakes and stuff. Um, but that landing in particular, luckily I, it was. It was one of the best passes I I probably ever had, and I was, you know, talk about putting lipstick on a pig. At that point, you're like, well, <laughs> at least the landing was good. You know, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but um, yeah, that was that was a long hour. It was a very long hour of just, and there's no, you're not talking to anybody too, so it's quiet. You know, it was a quiet hour back. Like, I mean, there was some stuff going on, you know, as we prepared. Um, but the, you know, when they're talking to you on the radio too. They're trying to be calm with their voices to make sure you stay calm too. So if I, I'm sure if I could ever replay the, the, the comms, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, there's nothing wrong. All these people sound so chill. But you know, it, it was definitely um, took energy to kind of put into that to, to stay in that that mindset. Mm,
1: that's amazing. So. And did you fly after that?
0: No, I did not. Nope. I, that was my last flight and um it was a, you know, I was like, all right, well, if that's, <laughs> <know."> <laughs> um, no. So then, uh, you know, you get out of the jet and they come down and immediately they take you to like, go to, of course, where the drugs or their alcohol is or anything in your system. And so you immediately get like rushed to medical. And, um, of course there was not, but, you know, they want to know what you've eaten in the last, like three months. No, I'm just kidding. It was like 48 hours, but, um, they're kind of going through all this stuff with you. So that was, Yeah. It was my my last landing. I'm happy it was a good one. Um, yeah, pretty intense.
1: Wow. Uh, speaking of intense, could, could we go back to flight school? I imagine it must have been super competitive and it must have been really hard not to become self-critical of yourself. How, how, did, how did you manage that? Because I assume that this might have been pre-yoga for you, correct? When you were in flight uh, school?
0: It was nascent, yeah, and the yoga. St- I found yoga actually while I was in flight school and stressed out mm. and hyper Um, And it really was that only place where other people weren't critiquing me. And more importantly, I wasn't beating myself up most of the time. I don't think that you, and you're probably, you know, similar understanding to this. I don't think that you can do those careers without being hypercritical. And that's something that I really talk to a lot with the military members I work now is like, there's, you have to be right. Like you have to be, um, there's a reason for that. It's part of the job, um, so I don't think you can ever truly kind of escape that piece mm-hmm. of it. And I, you know, I'll say this as a joke, but um, it's it's a very, it turns into a very OCD kind of personality oftentimes. Even if you weren't that before, you kind of tend to end up in that realm a little bit more because A, it's trained into you and B, you just, you learn it. It's what you're living all the time. Um, so yeah, it's it's really hard to let yourself off the hook when you're like, but if I let myself off the hook, I won't be good. Right. Mm-hmm. So then you get in this catch loop of, well, how do you self let yourself off the hook without thinking that that's the end of being great? Right. That, that that's that very slippery slope yeah. of uh, and it feels like that and um, it can feel almost like like death, like it really can feel like death. Right. Like if I don't do this little bit extra and keep pushing for the next better, the next better am I then on the wrong trajectory of going backwards? So I think that, and, and there's a lot of people, I feel like they can resonate with that. I don't think you have to be a, in the NFL or in the military to feel, know that feeling of, well, if I'm not pushing forward, then am I slipping back, right? If I'm not always hypercritical, am I losing in this game of whatever, of life, whatever you want to call it, right? That it's that very, and even stagnation or slowing down can feel like death. So, and you see that all over, right? Like, I mean, but yes, at that time it was very hypercritical and I had, you had to be on top of yourself. And again, it was like the microscope and just all of it compiling. um, And they, they, they want you to be like that, right? Like that's, that's part of being able to deal with stressful situations is to constantly, especially if you're alone in an aircraft, like you have to be your worst critic. If you see something and you screwed up, you got to do it better the next time, right? Nobody else necessarily might've seen it. So it's it's part of it. I don't know if you can really escape that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that's where it becomes then, okay, well, we can't turn the volume knob off, but can we at least learn to start turning it down? Can we have access to know how to turn it down? And I think for a long time in my life, I didn't even have access to that volume knob <laughs> of anything, right? Like, it's just like, all you knew is more, and more, more, louder, louder, louder. But, and I think for yoga, like that's where that yoga piece or whenever if you want to bring in that mindfulness piece, it's it's not even necessarily blasting the volume back low. It's stop turning the volume knob up. And what does that feel like? And then if you take it down a click, what does that feel like, right, of life? What is that? How do we get comfortable with that? Because that feels like death sometimes for some people in many ways. it's It's a very interesting kind of I don't know, study, I suppose, of human psychology of, you don't even have to turn the volume knob down on things. It's just if you stop the progression forward, it's like, oh, right.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great way to think about it. I love that. Yeah. Um, you, you have such a raw and real story about the moment you found your found your calling. It deals with uh, fear of letting go, um, our fear of vulnerability and slowing down. You're, you're on an aircraft carrier and began teaching to some Navy SEALs. And a, a fellow seal walked by, and his teammates asked him if he wanted to join, and he said, "Yeah, right." But then you responded to him, with, "I'm going to let you fill in the blanks if you don't mind, and if you could take <laughs> it from here, because it's a it's a funny and there's there's so many layers in the story. It's fantastic."
0: Yeah, that was um, that was actually so. Yeah, I, I started teaching a little bit on the aircraft carrier, but it wasn't to those guys. Those guys were the um, some of the. Um, uh, boat teaming stuff back here in virginia beach and and yeah this they had their yoga space and mats in the same area as the rest of the gym mm. right so we've got twenty guys that are trying to do this yoga thing but then you've got a hundred dudes that are like pumping iron five feet away from you right <laughs> this huge guy walked by
1: so something's and gonna he, happen
0: he was massive and yeah he was like uh, one of his buddies like, are you going to come do yoga with us? And he's like, yoga, you're yeah, right, you know. And I just kind of looked at him. I was like, what are you afraid of, big guy? And uh, <laughs> you know, like, looking back, I was like, "That was yeah, you don't really call out one of those dudes when they're, you know, lifting. And
1: what did he but, say?
0: But it, he, he didn't really have an answer. Mm. He just kind of, yeah, there wasn't much of a response. It was m- because at the end of the day, that is what, like, right? Like the only reason we don't try new things is because we're afraid of failure. Um, I mean, I know that there's things I won't try right now because I'm afraid of failure. (laughs) Like I wouldn't pick up a guitar right now and try to play for you. But um, yeah, there was just kind of silence. And I, I, I I was trying to be, you know, funny at the time and joking with these guys, but later I I really thought about, I'm like, yeah, that's the truth about it. Right. Like what is there to be afraid of? even try it. And again, it comes back to exactly what we were just talking about, right? Like that slowing down in any sense of the word can feel like you can, it often can make you feel like I'll never be able to go at the speed I did again, right? Like maybe I won't be able to pick up my pace again and move forward. Like there's this very raw accompaniment to that feeling of slowing down, right? Like what if I'm never good? What if I'm never great? What if I lose how to push myself? What if I'm not hypercritical of myself what will I be then will I not be good enough there's that's a deep rooted fear <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> um well, yeah I'm sure you have a lot of stories from uh we t- t- teach on the aircraft care that's the
0: <laughs> that was more um, like so when at first when I started that was more like people that were like I don't want to be seen doing this Liz mm-hmm. like can you just like show me some stuff like not
1: right <laughs> right right make it not done. look like yoga
0: yeah can you can you <laughs> make it not look like yoga. Um, but yeah, that's changed a lot too. Like now where people are like, when are you going to start teaching classes here? You know, on base and stuff. So different places. So it's changed a lot
1: for sure. What what, what was your reason for creating the, um, uh, yoga for warriors video series?
0: Um, so that came out of, you know, there's a lot of incredible, um, nonprofits that work with military and stuff. And, and one of the ones that I was lucky, I've been lucky enough to work with is called the uh, Give Back Yoga Foundation. And I was in Germany at the time, and I was working in a place and supporting a place where we did like decompression, right? And I started, I offered a yoga class just to kind of throw it out there. And, you know, for the brave few, sometimes they would be like, oh, I'll try this with you. Okay. Uh, I get, started receiving some questions of like, hey, like, where can I do this back at home? But like, I don't really want to go to a yoga studio yet. And so I saw this opportunity of like, okay, if we had some online classes, free to military, where they could do in the comfort of their living room, where you kind of frame it around and add on to their workout. So we created five different classes. One was an hour long class. But even that's kind of intimidating sometimes. And then we created these four short 15-minute ones where it's like, hey, just add this on to the end of your workout. Um, you know, one specifically, do you have tight shoulders or hips or are you getting back pain or, you know, hamstrings? Um, so I just thought that, you know, people like to try things out at home. And this was obviously before COVID where everybody was doing everything at home anyway. <laughs> and um, so the Give Back Yoga Foundation was kind enough to – To support this idea. And we worked with Guyam. And Guyam's a wonderful uh, yoga company that that kind of funded the whole thing to help us create these videos and just get them online for free. And at least then, when I would receive that question, I was like, okay, here, go do this first. And then, and then go tiptoe into a yoga studio. You'll you'll be okay, you know? Um, Because again, people don't want to look silly, right? Not being able to do something in a public place. So if you give them a little bit behind the scenes first, then they're like, okay, I know what Downward Dog might. Look like, Um, but that was those videos were really fun because the um, the two guys that we had as like the guinea pigs, they had actually one of them had never done yoga before, so it was the videos are perfect. Like it's me, you know, being like, hey, lift your left arm. No, your other left arm. No, like lift it up, like towards the sky. You know, like it's very like (laughs) real commentary. Um, So yeah, those were that was an exciting creation to just have out there. You know, another thing I can just kind of point people to real quick. Um,
1: that's, that's great. And I, I I can't think of anyone like more like qualified, so to speak with, with, with the background that you have, like with, I I love the, um, you know, your teachings focus on deep inner shadow work, self-love and healing and, but the, the redefining of strength. So like when, you know, when we think of warriors, first thing we think of is, you know, like muscles and, you know, um, Mm. military and like, you know, all those things that come to our mind as, as, as warriors. But you've in your teachings you you're redefining that, and I think I think it says somewhere um, I think I saw it on your bio or somewhere where it says love is a true warrior's greatest strength. Um, and you talk about the common threads of the warrior spirit. I was hoping you could share with us what the what those common threads of the warrior spirit are that you do such a great job of eloquently <laughs> defining. Oh,
0: <yeah. laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am um, no I. I think that to summarize those pieces, you know, we have this understanding that, and this has to do with like my understanding of the word resiliency, right? Like I feel like this word gets tossed around so much and it, it's been hard for me to come to terms with. We use it a lot in the military these days. And it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword to me in some ways, because sometimes it's not about doing more with less and putting our head in the sand and surviving. We all get really good at that that's not really strength. That's not really resiliency. That's not really um, being a warrior, right? It's actually like failing and flailing and and growing from that, right? Like it's not just how, how, how can I put my head in the sand like an ostrich and plow through something and okay, I made it to the other side and I did it and I survived, right? To me, it becomes then, well, who are you afterwards, have you just put a shell over yourself right? have you just hardened up so tight that now there's no more room that you can't connect with those you're closest to because of some of these limitations to what you can you've learned to allow in So to me that warrior is is that fearless I will be okay even when I'm scared shitless I will be okay even if I screw this up I will be okay even through all of that, um, the, not just the highs, but the lows, right? That that to me, it's someone that's not afraid. And you talk for a minute about going like shadow work, right? To me, and I'll just frame that a little bit when I speak of that, shadow work is not being afraid to go into the dark places within ourselves and within who we are um, and learning to not just deal with our demons, but snuggle them and hug them and wrap them in so much love and appreciation and recognition that they were there to get us through something, right? Like most of all of our demons that every single human being has, it was a survival mechanism at some point, right? Like we didn't just show up with that. Like most of the time, it's something we learned, right? And so it, it, it was our friend in a way. If we don't ever face it and we just hide from it, we harden up to it. It never becomes our teacher. But if we can kind of lean back into that. So to me, like being a real warrior is not being afraid of those things that we're most terrified of and then facing them, right? Or like snuggling with them or like, you know, I'm not saying doing this on your own. Like I, I'll be the first to say that I talked to, um, I, I don't know if i can she's not really she's a therapist she's a counselor she's a, a shaman whatever you want to call it right like my I have to speak with her at least every other week or once a week to to make sure I'm not going into those places alone necessarily so I'm not saying everybody should just start doing this work on their own right like go with a qualified person to hold your hand during it but that that to me is is like true warrior spirit um you know if you even think of like words like the word hero or something that gets tossed around right. or courage, you know, and all those words that, mm-hmm. that have to do with, it's not doing something when it's easy and when you're good at it, <laughs> it's, it's when the whole table stack, you know, the cards are stacked against you. And, um, and so, yeah, so I find this very delicate balance of talking about these things about being a warrior of yes, it's strength, but it's a, it's a very shifted type of strength. It's a very subtle sh- sense of strength, which, you know, ties into some yoga poses too, I suppose you could say, you know, in terms of something might look very unmoving on the outside, but it might be shaking underneath the seams, right? And, um, that kind of strength that you don't always necessarily see, but back to your question, back to some of the things you're bringing up. Yeah. Like devotion, right? Love, devotion, discipline, um, service right something the devotion piece is and the you know dedication is like something bigger than yourself like what are you doing it for right like you might just doing this for me and that's where it kind of ties in right like am I doing this for me or am I doing something bigger than myself in the military that's okay well am I serving just for myself or am I serving some higher purpose some higher goal some higher belief right of the way things could be you know we have all these staples in our country right of and freedom and democracy and and justice and right so you could see it in comparison to that but then i also see it as okay on the yoga mat and in in that world it's okay is it just for me or is it for some more higher common goal right is it for other humans is it for my connection with them too right are we in this together is it really just lives on an island um and that ties directly then into the service piece right so there are a lot of similarities to me of like getting out of your own way. And then the discipline piece is how do I hold myself to that commitment? Right. How do I hold myself to that commitment? Um, I talk about this with my yoga students sometimes in our teacher training, like I see it very circular and, and I don't know, you know, this might be just audio. So I'll just kind of pull, draw it out for people in their minds. But if you imagine a circular circle, like the, the, you know, a clock, um, And we keep kind of popping up. We come out of it, you know, towards like the 10, 11 o'clock hand, right? We pop out of the water for a minute and we're like, okay, all right, life's good. I've got it. You know, here I am. I know who I am. You pass the noon position. Then you get over to the one or two and it's like, okay, I'm going back in. I'm stronger. I'm ready to dig deeper back into myself again. And you kind of dip back below the surface, head down to six o'clock, and then you come back up and you catch your breath again. And so that discipline to me is about like, well... You don't get just to do that once in life. You do that over and over, right? And you face those fears over and over. And each time you learn more about yourself and you get stronger in that same sense of the word as we talked about it before, but then that's not the time to just lay on the beach and and quit. It's like, no, no, no. Now that you've learned that you could go deeper, now it's time to do it again, right? And that each time we start to chisel that out within ourselves, it's, it's not just for ourselves. Ultimately, as we heal ourselves, we heal everyone else around us, right? Whether it's in our interactions or the way we see the world or the things that can be inspired with them. So to me, that's kind of part of it. It's like, you know, even on those days where I don't like feel like talking and crying with my therapist or something, I'm like, you know what? All right, let's go back in. Let's do this, right? Like, because I, until I start to heal myself inch by inch and, and have that discipline to do that and go there, um, I can't expect it for anybody else, right? Like um, until I learn to have like ultimate compassion and appreciation, and and let myself off the hook, I'm never going to let anybody else off the hook, right? Like there's no way because everything that they do is just going to be exasperated or uh, exacerbated. And I'm going to point out their flaws if I haven't learned to kind of incorporate my own yet. So, mm. yeah, those are some of the similarities I kind of see between the two worlds. Mm.
1: That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> I can talk so I got that from my no, Italian mother yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think it's
1: one of the biggest challenges out there like even just like at a basic yoga class like we go there and like our goals are you know we, we think strength and and you know just you know we, you know yoga teachers we say oh there's there's strength and gentleness and compassion but it's a, it's a really it's a, it, it takes time to really for us to for, for that to sink in I think. I know for me, it took it's, it's it's a work in progress.
0: <laughs> always, always, it's always, like right. That's why we call it practice, right? It's never this place that we ever quite make it to, unless you're, I don't know, the Buddha or something. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so for you and I, yeah, coming from our worlds, I know that you probably felt that same kind of sense of you, you wouldn't have been as good as you were unless you learned how to push yourself, right?
1: No, so. absolutely not. Yeah, and you know the whole idea for, for an athlete as a warrior is is you know like you know, accomplishing and pushing and, and and play through the pain. That's why I, I just think like, you know, the, I, I never like the comparisons of athletes with, with what you do because it's, it's it's not even close to being the same. So it's just it is. Un- no, but
0: see that's ah. what I'm trying to say. It's very similar. No, it is. It's super similar, right? It's that I you have to hold yourself to that standard or else nobody else will. But at the same time then it becomes okay, well how do I know and how do I know when I'm supposed to take that day off? right? Because right, we right, start to right. lose the ability to, to, you know, so it's exactly the same as I think with athletes. And like, when, when do I give myself, when do I back off? Right? Like, mm-hmm. or, or to compare it to the yoga pose, right? Like, is this good pain? Or is this right. joint pain And my knee literally shouldn't be doing this because the bones aren't built like, you know, somebody, somebody else's body that can do that.
1: I love it. I, well, I have a feeling you could kick the ball much further than how fast I could go in a jet.
0: <laughs> I, soccer. I was a you know, that was one of my first loves was soccer. So I, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll switch careers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh no, but I, I know exactly what you're saying. It, it is difficult. And I know for a lot of athletes, there is that self, uh, you know, the, you're right. Like if if there's not some sense of perfectionism, they're never going to get anywhere. But if, if if their perfectionism is so at such a place where they just are constantly beating themselves up, and like like you said, like working with 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 the volume, if there's if there's not if that's missing, then that's the that's 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 the sticking point. What can mm-hmm. lead down the bad road.
0: And I think that's where it comes into like knowing our bodies and listening Mm -hmm. to our bodies and our own intuition. And so much of what society tells us is not to trust in our own knowing, right? Our own knowing, our own intuition, the things that we know that we can't explain to somebody else. And so a lot of this is, well, how do I get back in tune with my own voice and knowing what's true to myself, right? Like if I could really know what that pain feels like in terms of, is that good? Is that pushing? Mm -hmm. Is this the right time to push forward? Or am I just doing that because it's all I know? Right. Right? Um, And I think a lot of that is learning to really listen to yourself in a true way of what you need. Same with food, right? If you think about, like, athletes and food and, like, how we're feeding ourselves, right? Like, is this this truly nourishing me or am I craving this because – of something else that's off, right? Is it a cover-up that I, that my body's craving sugar because of something else that I wasn't taking care of properly. Right. So even nutrition I think is very closely related to this. Like what does my body actually need and how do we get back in tune enough with being able to hear that clearly instead of it being some fake voice or, you know, right. cause I think a lot of it is, can I trust this voice? Is this one telling me the truth yet? We don't do that a lot. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, I'm sorry, but we're down to our last question, and I, I have a lot more, but I'll save those for another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, you, this, where where can they get in touch with you? Find you on your on your social media? Maybe take a virtual class with you? Anything that you? Can yeah, share, I'm share actually, with them?
0: So I have actually been on back on active duty. since COVID hit. Um, But I'm excited uh, to say that come January of 2022, I'm going to be back to focusing solely on my yoga life. Um, You know, it's been a nice run, but I'm ready for a little time off. Um, But yeah, so I'll be I'll be back into the whole yoga world and and running. I don't have don't have anything planned specifically for 2023 uh, or sorry, 2022. I do have a few in the works for 2023. Um, and there's some interesting things. It's funny how, you know, we were talking about turn the volume down. If you turn the volume down, some weird things have been popping up lately. Um, like I might be working with some veteran organizations, running some retreats specifically for veterans in 2022. So who knows right now? Um, but my website, Instagram, Facebook, all the typical standards. Um, I guess if I have Facebook and I'm not using like Twitter and all the rest of it's showing my age, but <laughs> <laughs> just everything's just walk about yoga or my name, Liz Corwin, you can find me and be in touch. Um, so yeah, trainings will be up. I'll be back kind of probably teaching online a little bit and things like that of that nature, but, um, super, uh, accessible and available. So if anybody just shoots an email to walk yoga at gmail.com, or again, just the website, walkaboutyoga.com, you can find me pretty easy. Um, I don't necessarily always have somebody else running my site. So I'll probably be the one that <laughs> responds <Perfect>. back. <laughs> yeah. I won't be like, Oh, you can talk to my assistant that maybe I'll talk to <laughs> here. Um, No, but then, yeah, just on Instagram is probably the one that I stay most up to date with, with things going on um, retreats, workshops, classes, all that kind of good stuff. So yeah.
1: All right. Th- thank you so much Liz it was it was such a pleasure speaking with you and thanks to everyone out there listening please share this episode with anyone you think could benefit and take care everyone